Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans. So yes, as you can tell by the title, we are going to be talking about the Nets' first 10 years in Brooklyn. I cannot believe it's been that long, but the Nets' social media page had this logo of like, oh, it's been 10 years in Brooklyn, and I was like is that true? And then I looked into it and yeah, it's been 10 seasons in Brooklyn for the Nets. And we're going to talk about some of what's happened. We're not going to go through each season very specifically and talk about every single moment, but kind of just summarize each season and where have the disappointments been and what was I expecting when they moved to Brooklyn? And we'll just kind of talk about it. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy the video. Um, there is no more like Kevin Durant news. I know every, like, every Nets video these days is like, oh, Kevin Durant this, Kevin Durant that. I don't know anything. I hope that they figure this out and the Nets run it back for at least one more year. It seems like they are committed to bringing Kyrie Irving back. Kyrie has made a lot more appearances on the Nets' social media pages. That is, you know, definitely encouraging if you're a Kyrie fan. So, yeah, that's good news. Hopefully Kevin Durant is the, uh, you know, last guy to say, all right, let's do this, and hopefully they run it back for one more year, if not more. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoy this video, and let's get into it. So looking at these past seasons for the Nets the past 10 years, the number one thing that stood out to me was how many head coaches they have had in this 10-year span. You go down the list, it's Avery Johnson, P.J. Carlissimo, Jason Kidd, Lionel Hollins, half-year of Tony Brown, Kenny Atkinson, Jock Vaughn for 10 games, the bubble, and he had some games before uh, COVID hit, and Steve Nash. That's eight coaches in 10 years. I mean, it's absolutely insane. Some of those guys were interim guys, Carlissimo, Brown, and Vaughn, but still a ton of coaches for the Brooklyn Nets. They also made the playoffs in seven out of the first 10 years in Brooklyn. That's not that bad. Like the Nets had a very, very bad stretch from 2015 to 2018. But outside of that, like they have been a consistent playoff team. Some teams had championship aspirations and some teams were kind of lucky to sneak into the eighth seed. There were a couple teams that come to mind. Um, that team everybody loved with the Nets with the 2018-2019 Nets, they I think were the seventh seed that year. And there was the last year Darren Williams was a Brooklyn Net. I think they snuck into the eighth seed. They were like the final seed. They played the Hawks that year, one versus eight. Took them to six games, but yeah. But you look at that big picture-wise, making the playoffs seven out of 10 years, it's not that bad. I mean, making the playoffs in the NBA is not the hardest thing. Like half the league makes it. We know that. I think more than half the league. There's 16 teams that make it now. It's like, how many make it now? 20 teams out of 30 make it now? So yeah. It's, there's a lot of teams that make the playoffs, but still, I mean, it's it's better to make it than not make it. I'll put it that way. Um, so 7 out of 10 is not that bad. They had that very rough stretch. Of course, the Nets in Brooklyn has been highlighted by the awful Billy King trade with the Boston Celtics in 2013. And this franchise has been haunted by bad trades for a while. Like, you think about, there was a graphic that came out a couple years ago of, like, the all-time um, Nets traded away team and like you look at some of the players the Nets could have gotten that they have traded away like the Damian Lillard draft pick some people may know this some people may not the Damian Lillard draft pick was a Brooklyn Nets pick the Nets in their final season in New Jersey were desperate to appease Darren Williams and to make him stay because it was a contract year for Darren Williams. And the Nets just foolishly, in the middle of a terrible season, I want to see their record that year, they were 22-44. and 44. It was a shortened season because of the lockout. 22-44, and 44, they traded for Gerald Wallace in a contract year at 29 years old, gave up a first-round pick, 
ended up being sixth overall, and the Portland Trailblazers got Damian freaking Lillard out of that. Not saying the Nets would have taken Lillard because they already had Darren Williams on the roster, but still, they could have gotten like Harrison Barnes or some other useful player, but no, they got one season, one and a half seasons out of Gerald Wallace, who once he lost his athleticism, was not that good. Then of course, you look at the Boston Celtics trade. You look at the amount of pick swaps involved there. The Nets, of course, got Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Jason Terry. People forget about Jason Terry, but the amount they gave up to get those guys was way too much. Player-wise, it wasn't anything. They gave up like Chris Humphreys, the aforementioned Gerald Wallace. They gave up like, I don't know, some other uh, Keith Bogans, Marshawn Brooks, guys like that. It wasn't a big deal, but draft pick-wise, it was a big deal. That led to the Boston Celtics obviously getting Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to pivotal pieces to the Celtics making that finals run this year. And the Nets, as a result, they had those awful seasons from 2015 to 2018 and didn't even own their own first round pick. It was a very rough time to be a Nets fan. Actually, it's always a rough time to be a Nets fan. I don't know why I said it that way, but I would say about 95% of the time, it's, it's tough being a Nets fan. Anyway, Let's kind of go season by season. Not very in-depth, of course, but we'll talk about, summarize what I remember at least. So they leave New Jersey. I didn't like it. I'm from Jersey. I've lived in three different houses by now, but I've been in Jersey my whole life, and I loved going to the Izod Center, Continental Airlines Arena, whatever you want to call it, whatever it was before that, and even Prudential Center for two years. That was actually closer to my house. I had season tickets the last year in Jersey. It was a good time. The team sucked. It was 22-44, and 44, as I mentioned, but it was a good time. It was a short drive. Went to a ton of games. And honestly, going to Brooklyn, I mean, the arena is much cooler. Definitely, Barclays is awesome, but parking there is not ideal and it's very expensive so i will say that but it's a cooler experience once you're in the building but yes i miss it i miss having the nets in new jersey i will say that anyway the first year in brooklyn the 2012 2013 season the nets went 49 and 33 it started out great if i remember correctly i think they started out 11 and 4 when they first moved to Brooklyn. They had a big offseason that year. They re-signed Gerald Wallace to a four-year, $40 million contract. That was awful. They traded for Joe Johnson. He was 31 at the time, but it was a good move, in my opinion, get themselves a really good backcourt mate with Darren Williams. They got to re-sign Darren Williams to the five-year deal. They got some other pretty decent bench guys. I'm trying to look at the roster now. They got Keith Bogans. They re-signed Chris Humphreys that year. Brooke Lopez was back from the foot injury. Jerry Stackhouse, the veteran, was there. Mirza Toledovich. CJ Watson was a good backup point guard at that time. Reggie Evans, I remember, had such a fun year for us. So many rebounds. Josh Childress, the guy with the afro, he didn't do much for us, but I do remember him. And Andre Blotch. Andre Blotch was awesome. He was such a good net. Like, ISO blotch on the left block was some of the best basketball you will ever witness. It was a great time. But yeah, it was cool to see this team because, you know, the Nets at that point hadn't been good since like the 2007 slash 2008 season. So it was like five years at that point since the Kid Carter Jefferson days. And I remember I was at the first game ever in Brooklyn. I was lucky enough to go. It was against the Toronto Raptors at the time. And it was such a cool experience, like new building. And I was like, the Nets are actually kind of good. Like, this is awesome. They won that game by like five or six points. But it was a cool experience seeing Joe Johnson there scoring points. And they were just such a better team from the year prior. You can tell right then and there, like, wow, this is a much different team. And I think the funniest part about this season was the Nets' failure at getting a mascot. So the Nets in New Jersey had Sly Fox. He was an awesome mascot. They actually had a mini Sly too, but they had Sly Fox, who was a great mascot. He was awesome, had that grin on his face. And if you were up next to Sly and you, you saw him in person, he did smell like alcohol and popcorn and soda. 
but it comes with the territory. That's kind of what Izod Center smelt like. But anyway, he was a really cool mascot. I definitely enjoyed myself some Sly Fox. Then when they move to Brooklyn, they get rid of Sly Fox and they bring in the Brooklyn Knight. And I remember at this first game against the Raptors, they brought him down from the ceiling from the Raptors, made this whole dramatic thing. And it had to be one of the biggest failures of a mascot in sports history. Like the Brooklyn Knight, I don't even think lasted the first entire season in Brooklyn. Nobody liked them. You know, for like when you have a mascot, like the point is to get fans to like the mascot. Nobody liked this mascot. The Brooklyn Knight was born in 2012 and I think went away in 2012 or maybe 2013. It did not even last a full season. So yeah, the Brooklyn Knight you know, was one of the biggest failures of a mascot of all time. So that's a fun fact for you. But anyway, yes, Avery Johnson got fired that year. Carlissimo came in. The Nets started playing much better under him. Then they had the playoff series. I think they were the four seed that year. They played the Chicago Bulls, who were the five seed. And that series was freaking wild. I remember game one, the Nets won big. I, I just looked at the score. It's 106-89, the Nets won game one. Darren Williams had the uh, backwards dunk on a fast break, and like we were going crazy. And then the Nets lost game two, game three, and game four. Game four of this 2013 playoff series versus the Bulls had to be one of the toughest Nets losses I've ever seen in my life. It is not, it's not really in the conversation with the Bucks game seven from two years ago, but it was bad. And it was bad because obviously they were down 2-1. Going down 3-1 is terrible. You have to win that game. They had it won. They had that game won. There was like four minutes left. They were up by maybe 15 points or so. And this was the C.J. Watson missed dunk. The backup point guard decides to try and dunk the ball on a fast break. This guy never dunks, by the way. He's like a smaller guy. He misses the dunk. And then Nate Robinson just goes ballistic. He, he just went crazy. And the Bulls won that game, and I think it was like triple overtime, double overtime. I'm looking now. It was a triple overtime game, and I was so devastated after that happened, too. And the craziest part is, so my birthday is on April 28th. My parents got me tickets for game five at Brooklyn, and they were down 3-1, and I didn't even want to go. I'll be honest. I was so devastated, but I did end up going. They won that game. They also won game six at Chicago. They brought it back home for a game seven, and they lost. It was one of the most disappointing Nets games I've seen. Game seven versus the Bulls, you know, they were able to come back from 3-1 down, give themselves a game seven, and they all just played like crap. So the first season in Brooklyn, it had some highs, but definitely some, some lows. I will put it that way. And the playoff series just ended in devastation fashion but I would say like there was definitely optimism like you had Darren Williams still playing pretty well Joe Johnson was great he was clutch all season Brooke Lopez was back and healthy you had a pretty decent bench so the Nets were trending in the right direction at that time so then the 2013-14 season the second year in Brooklyn comes around and this was a big off season for them they got the Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce trade done. So those guys were now Brooklyn Nets. And that, at that time, they were still good players. I mean, they weren't really bad yet. But once they got to Brooklyn, they definitely fell off. But I thought Paul Pierce was fine. He broke his hand uh, his, his one year as a net. But he was fine outside of that. And they got a new head coach in Jason Kidd, one of the best Nets of all time. He was a rookie head coach. And the Nets had a very bad start that season. They started off the year 10-21, and 21, which is obviously not good. The Nets had this Sports Illustrated cover of Who Wants a Piece of Them? And it was the Nets starting five of Brooke Lopez 
and Darren Williams and Joe Johnson and Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and Jason Kidd was there as well. And who wants a piece of them? They were 10-21 and 21 to start the year. Brooke Lopez broke his foot in December, but it actually was kind of a blessing in disguise. After the Brooke Lopez injury, the Nets went smaller and they got much better. So they went from 10-21 and 21 to finishing the year at 44-38, and 38, which I think ironically was their record this past season. But yeah, I mean, they still made the playoffs and they had a first round matchup with the Toronto Raptors. Obviously not having Brooke Lopez in the grand scheme of things was not good, but it was a really fun seven game series with the Toronto Raptors. The Nets won game seven. Finally, they win a game seven at Toronto. Paul Pierce blocked Kyle Lowry at the buzzer. The Nets moved on, but they went on to face a juggernaut in the Miami Heat with LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. So things did not go well. The Nets lost that series in five. I think they were down 3-0, and they they won game four at home, but then they lost in five. So the Nets, of course, went all in that year to win a championship, and they got out in round two. And that was disappointing, but the Heat were a better team, we know that, and there was still some optimism, like people thought that, okay, you bring back Pierce for next year, bring back KG, you get Brooke Lopez healthy, maybe you can add some other people, this team is still alright, but that's not really how it went. That next offseason, Jason Kidd went to ownership and said he wanted a bigger role, he wanted more of a... GM type role and they turned him down so Jason Kidd left he was done after one year with the Nets in hindsight maybe they should have given him that role I mean I don't know Jason Kidd now seems like a pretty decent coach right now with the Mavericks but anyway they bring in Lionel Hollins Lionel Hollins was the former Grizzlies coach and definitely had some success with them But Lionel Hollins, I don't think, was a good fit for this Nets team, and especially Darren Williams. You can just always tell there was a tension between Darren and Lionel. It just never felt right. And also, Paul Pierce left that offseason. So Paul Pierce spent one season as a Brooklyn Net and departed for the Wizards. Paul Pierce had quotes about the Nets and how it wasn't the best experience, and Paul Pierce kind of took a shot. Not kind of. He definitely took a shot at Darren Williams and... Paul Pierce basically said, to paraphrase it, he expected Darren Williams to be an MVP candidate, but it seemed like Darren Williams was not interested in that. So yes, Paul Pierce was not really fond of his time with the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the 2014-15 Brooklyn Nets, this was an odd team. They went 38-44, and and they made the playoffs as the 8th seed. It went down to Game 82, I remember. So they had to win the final game of the year, and somebody else had to lose to make the playoffs. But luckily that happened. The Nets got themselves a playoff berth. I'm trying to see who the newcomers were that year. Boyan Bogdanovich came over. So Bogdanovich now plays with the Jazz. Pretty good player. He was a net in his first year. KG was still there for half a year. Then he was eventually traded to Minnesota for Thaddeus Young, who definitely was a good net for a little bit. They had Andre Kirilenko. Andre Kirilenko, I mean, the Nets got him for like no money, and people thought that the Nets, had some money under the table because like the Nets had a Russian owner and, and Mikhail Prokhorov, but um he was an awful net. Kirilenko definitely was just over the hill at that point and was not playing well. Mason Plumley was, was a rookie. Jarrett Jack was the backup point guard. They had Sergei Karasev who had some nice moments. He started some games for the Nets that year. Um, yes, this was a very weird team. Even um, Markel Brown started some games. He was Marcus Smart's team at Oklahoma State. And he was definitely a high flyer, had some exciting plays. But yes, this team was, uh, it was an interesting team. They had a 8 versus one matchup in the playoffs with the Hawks, who were the best team in the league that year, I believe. And 
The Nets lost the first two games in Atlanta, and you're like, all right, that's expected. But they come home, they win game three, and then they win game four. Game four was awesome. That was the shot Darren Williams made with the shot clock winding down. He was going to his right, faded away, and swished it. And it was just like Darren Williams' last great moment as a Brooklyn Net. And and although Darren Williams is... You know, Nets' career will not be remembered fondly. He definitely had some good moments. You can, you know, definitely sit here and think of like five to ten really good Darren Williams moments as a Net slash, you know, New Jersey Net, Brooklyn Net. But yeah, so they tie the series at two, and it's like, okay, this this is getting interesting. But Game Five happens; they lose by ten at Atlanta, and then Game Six. I remember me and my friend from high school. We went to this game together. This was my senior year of high school. We went to this game, and the Nets lost by like thirty points. It was it was miserable. So sitting there and seeing Damari Carroll, a future net, knock down threes and you know, Paul Millsap doing the same thing and Kyle Korver, it, it was just miserable. So yeah, we sat there kind of just like deflated. But anyway, they took the one seed the six games. I guess that's kind of a moral victory for the crappy team they were. So after that season, this was the net stretch of some bad basketball the next three years. So they made the playoffs the first three years in Brooklyn, and it was, you know, it was cool. It was nice, but they definitely came up short. The long, The furthest they went was the second round. But you know, now they were in a transition stage. They released Darren Williams that offseason, and it was a new-looking team. The 2015-16 Nets, they sucked. They went 21-61. and Lionel Hollins was let go after a 10-27 and start. And this roster was horrible. Andrea Bargnani was one of the worst Nets I've seen. Wayne Ellington was brought over. Rondé Hollis Jefferson's rookie year was that year. I think Jared Jack, I don't know if this was the year he tore his ACL. Maybe it was the year prior, I forget. But Joe Johnson was there. He was older at that point. Sean Kilpatrick. You had Shane Larkin. Chris McCullough, a former first-round pick of this team. Thomas Robinson, who was a former high pick the Nets took a chance on. Donald Sloan. I still remember that play. Donald Sloan crossed up Matthew Delvadova. That was an awesome moment. And Thaddeus Young. I think Thaddeus Young was traded that year, though, to the Pacers for a first-round pick, which ended up being Karis LeVert. So the Nets actually made out well with that KG for Thaddeus Young trade a, a couple years prior to that. But yes, this was definitely some bad basketball. And uh, I remember this This was the season the Nets were not on yes for Comcast. I remember I had my parents get DirecTV for one of our TVs at our house. And it was just so my lunatic ass can watch this team win 21 games out of 82. It was, it was like... I would sit down, I would DVR the games, and I would like come, kind of come home late and just like go through them quickly. Like it, it was like you weren't missing much, you know what I mean? Like there were some cool moments that year. I think there were a couple nice game winners. Joe Johnson had that bank shot against the uh, Nuggets that year, I think. But like it was just an awful season overall. And then 2016-17, this was a you know the lowest Nets record since being in Brooklyn. It was Kenny Atkinson's first year, though. They were 20-62. and 62. This was the Anthony Bennett year. This was the Trevor Booker year. Spencer Dinwiddie came to town, so that was a good move, obviously. Randy Foy, I remember, had a cool game winner. Archie Goodwin, Justin Hamilton, Joe Harris made his way onto the roster. That was good. Karis LeVert, as I mentioned. They signed Jeremy Lin that offseason, but he never stayed healthy. But when Lin was playing for the Nets, he was good. He just never stayed on the floor. This was Brooke Lopez's last year as a Net. KJ McDaniels, Andrew Nicholson, Luis Scola, Grievous Vasquez, and Isaiah Whitehead at a Seton Hall. Um, yeah, this team was, like, just not good. It, it, I don't know how else to say it, but... They were making a transition. You can tell Kenny Atkinson had, had a different style of basketball. Brooke Lopez was shooting threes all of a sudden, so that was cool. But yes, this team 
really stunk. So then the next year, they improve a bit. 28-54, and 54, this was the year they got D'Angelo Russell. It was rookie Jared Allen. They got Damari Carroll, Allen Crabb. And this was the year, unfortunately, Jeremy Lin, I think. This was the torn ACL year. It was a bad injury. I forget if it was Achilles ACL, but it was the first game of the season. And Jeremy Lin, of course, like towards ACL, he was done for the entire year. So Jeremy Lin played, I think, 37 games in two seasons for the Nets. That, of course, sucked because Lin was actually a pretty decent player at that point. And I remember I watched the first game of the year on delay, and I saw a Bleacher Report update, and it said Jeremy Lin. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't look at that because I didn't want to see the final score. But I had a bad feeling because when you see a player's name pop up like that, like from a Bleacher Report uh, tweet or a notification, you could tell it wasn't good. So I was like sitting there watching that game, waiting for a very bad Jeremy Lin injury to happen. And what do you know? He lands awkwardly and he had that like awful, I still could see the look on his face. Like he was devastated. He knew his season was over. So that really sucked. But the Nets also had Nick Stauskas. They had um, Tyler Zeller. They traded for Jalil Okafor. They had Timofey Mozgov from the uh, Brook Lopez trade. I mean, yeah, this, this team... Uh, at least they showed some uh, some potential. You saw D'Angelo Russell at some points that year. Was It was like, okay, he's a decent player. Alan Crabb had some moments. Jared Allen as a rookie had some moments. Dinwiddie was getting better. Karis LeVert definitely had some moments. It was like, all right, you know, Joe Harris was coming into his own as a really good shooter. Um, and then the next season was the out-of-nowhere playoff season for the Brooklyn Nets, 2018-2019. They go 42-40. and 40. A lot of people miss this team. Uh, there, there's people that just hate the drama of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And look, I hate it too. I get it. But I don't miss going 42-40. and 40. I don't miss first-round exits. So this team was fun. They had the whole bench mob and the bench, the bench dances going on. But, like, this... It wasn't a good team. They lost in five games to the Sixers that year in the playoffs, but this was a big year for them because the Nets became a more attractive destination. They had great culture at this point. D'Angelo Russell was like a borderline star. I wouldn't say he was a complete star, but a borderline star. He was getting there, and Karis LeVert was still playing well. Dinwiddie kind of broke out that year. You know, Joe Harris broke out that year. There were guys playing at a very high level. There were some awesome moments that year, including that I think it was a 28-point comeback in the fourth quarter versus the Kings. That was an awesome game. But yeah, they won the first playoff game against the Sixers. That was cool. But then they lost four straight. They got obliterated in the last game. So that was not fun. And then this next season, 2019-2020. This was the year where COVID hit. But before that happened, the Nets made a clean sweep, getting Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan. I almost said Damari Carroll. But yes, DeAndre Jordan. And seeing that tweet, I have to admit, was probably one of the best moments of my life. Seeing that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were going to play for the Brooklyn Nets. And I know we had to wait for Kevin Durant because he just tore his Achilles. But still, we had four years of control for Kevin Durant, as we do right now. But he doesn't even want to play for the team. That's a whole different uh, topic. Anyway, what I remember from this year was, of course, Kenny Atkinson getting fired. But just being mesmerized by how good Kyrie Irving was. Like, you can tell from the first game he played, it, it was like a 50-point game, so that helped. But Kyrie Irving against the Timberwolves, the first game of the year, put on this awesome performance. He was this close to making a game-winning shot that game. They went to overtime, I believe. And it was just like, that is why they took Kyrie over D'Angelo Russell. A lot of people were kind of annoyed that D'Angelo Russell was kicked out for Kyrie Irving, but you can just tell from the first game, like Kyrie was so much better. Not to take anything away from D'Angelo, he's a fine player, but Kyrie was just next level. Speaking of Kyrie, he had the shoulder injury. He was in and out the lineup that year. As I mentioned, Kevin Durant did not step on the floor that year. Um, Kenny Atkinson was fired sometime in February, I believe. 
Then COVID hits, they take a few months off, they go to the bubble, and the bubble Nets were just an awful roster. None of the good Nets players went to the bubble. I think like maybe the only like good players that went to the bubble were Jared Allen, Joe Harris, and Karis LeVert, I think were the only three guys. The rest of that team was awful. And they, I think, got swept by the Raptors in the playoffs that year. So I don't even count that year. It was a stupid bubble, whatever. But it was the next year we were very excited for because Kevin Durant was making his way back. So this brings us to the 2020-2021 Brooklyn Nets. This was two years ago now. This was a 48-24 and team under rookie head coach Steve Nash. I just realized I forgot to mention when Sean Marks was hired. But yeah, Sean Marks was hired sometime in 2016 when the team started getting better, getting Jeremy Lin and D'Angelo Russell, all those guys. So yeah, I forgot to mention that. But anyway, this was the most fun season I've had as a Nets fan. And the big news this year was trading for James Harden. They were like 10, 15 games into the year, and Kyrie Irving just randomly stepped away from the Nets for a couple weeks. And Kevin Durant was out there by himself, and the Nets either panicked or maybe they wanted to make this move in the first place. They got another superstar. They trade for James Harden. They give away seven picks, you know, pick swaps and just outright picks to the Rockets. They gave away Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Torian Prince. So, yeah, I mean, the Nets at first looked like they made out very well with this trade because James Harden played at a ridiculously high level that year. In February and March, he was the player of the month, back-to-back months. It was awesome. Like, James Harden was MVP level. And guys were in and out of the lineup that year. Kevin Durant had hamstring issues. Then James Harden had hamstring issues. But they looked fine. They, they came into the playoffs healthy. James Harden came back with a couple games left in the regular season. And the Nets just, you know, bulldozed the Celtics in five games. Their offensive efficiency, I think, was the best of NBA history within a playoff series, their offense was on fire. And at that point, I really genuinely felt the Nets had the best chance to win the finals. I didn't want to get too ahead of myself because obviously injuries happen and we saw that happen, unfortunately. But that Nets team at that point coming off the Celtics series, winning in five games, they were like betting favorites by far to win the finals. And then, you know, stuff happened. New Jersey slash Brooklyn Nets stuff happened. Like, that's just how this franchise is. It's kind of cursed. But, yes, James Harden, 48 seconds in the game one against the Bucks, Exits with a hamstring issue. That was the third time that year he had the same hamstring issue. So that sucked. But it really didn't matter at the time because the Nets still, despite missing Harden, they killed the Bucks. They were up 2-0 after the first two games. And I was feeling pretty good about that. But I also knew the Nets were one injury away from being in a bad spot. And what do you know? Game three, it was a tough loss. Joe Harris missed so many open shots. My goodness, Joe Harris. Awful series at that point. But Kyrie Irving in game four, the Nets were still up 2-1 at that point, but Kyrie in game four right before halftime turns his ankle under Giannis's foot, and that was pretty much the end of it. You know, James Harden tried to come back, and he played in games five, six, and seven. I would say Harden was no better than 60% at any point. He was really a shell of himself at that point, but I give Harden credit for coming back. And the Nets had that amazing Game 5 victory, one of my favorite Nets games of all time. Kevin Durant, I think, had the 49-point game, and there was the uh, Steve Nash hugging KD meme going around because, you know, I guess that's all Steve Nash does as a coach is just clap and hug people. But the Nets lost Game 6 at Milwaukee, and then Game 7 at home, a game where, you know, I, I still have, I, it still haunts me. I, I admittedly still have... Um, just not nightmares, but this it's on my mind sometimes. Game seven against the Bucks, how 
Kevin Durant was this close to sending the Nets to the uh, conference finals. They would have played the Atlanta Hawks. And I think the Nets, even without Kyrie and James Harden, had a good chance of taking care of the Hawks. I'm not saying they would have won the finals that year because the Suns were a very tough team. The Nets were still injured at that point. I don't think Harden was ever going to be healthy the rest of the way. And Kyrie's ankle injury was very bad. It was a very bad ankle sprain. So I think they would have lost in the finals, but like if that team stayed healthy, I think they would have won it all. So that really sucked. And based on how things went the next year, which was this past season, 2021 slash 2022, that was their best chance of winning because we all know how this past year went. The Nets were 44 and 38. They were the seventh seed. They got swept by the Boston Celtics in the first round. James Harden was traded. James Harden quit on the Nets. They get Ben Simmons. He doesn't suit up. Kyrie Irving can't play most of the home games because of a stupid mandate. Um, Bruce Brown's hand went into Kevin Durant's knee. He was out for two months. Like It was like the worst possible season for the Brooklyn Nets. Now, that's how the first 10 years went in Brooklyn. Overall, it was pretty disappointing, I will say. When they moved to Brooklyn, I definitely had higher expectations, but... If you told me when they moved to Brooklyn that we would have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving at one point, I would have been ecstatic because at that point, those guys were still really good players. Like Kyrie was like in his second year at that point. KD had been in the league for like five years, won a couple scoring titles, and James Harden was doing his thing with the uh, either the Thunder or the uh, maybe the first year with the Rockets. But those guys were great players at that point. And if you told me they would be Brooklyn Nets at one point, I would have been like, holy crap, that's awesome. But yeah, we know how it went. It wasn't very good, and it's been disappointing so far. But hopefully, in year 11 in Brooklyn, the Nets can salvage what has happened so far, and hopefully we can forget about the Paul Pierce-Kevin Garnett trade. Hopefully we can forget about Kevin Durant's toe on the line, and hopefully we can forget about James Harden forcing his way out or Kyrie Irving's vaccine mandate stuff. And hopefully this 2022-23 Brooklyn Nets team comes out plays well, and maybe wins a championship. Although it seems very far-fetched at this point, but that would be awesome. They still have a roster to do so, but it is a lot to ask because, uh, you know, their best player doesn't even want to be on the team right now. So that's definitely tough. But yes, they have a good roster right now. Hopefully things go the right way. Last year was very disappointing, but yes, that's going to do it for the video. Uh, we went through 10 seasons of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I definitely have too much time on my hands. Wow. But yes, I mean, it was a fun exercise. I I've sat down and watched pretty much all these games. I might as well sit here and reminisce for a bit. I know you OG Nets fans out there will appreciate this. But yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed the video. Obviously, a lot of Nets content will come out this year. Um, you know, I don't want to do too many Kevin Durant updates because there's only so much you can say at this point. I just hopefully the guy... I just want Kevin Durant to have an awakening and be like, huh, the Nets roster is not that bad. So let's just run it back. Like That's what I want to happen. It really does seem like the Nets don't want to trade him. I just, I don't really see that happening right now. I guess anything could happen at this point, but it really does seem like the Nets are opposed to trading Durant and the amount that they're asking for for Katie is just outrageous and no team would ever do it. Like the Nets apparently asked for you know, Carl Towns and Anthony Edwards plus draft picks. They asked for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown plus draft picks. Like they are asking for an astronomical amount of you know assets from other teams and I just don't think a trade will happen at this point unless the Nets really lower their asking price but hopefully Kevin Durant shows up and plays and plays well and even if this is the last year in Brooklyn for these guys you know what so be it at least they they went out trying at least we got to see the Ben Simmons Kyrie and KD trio so hopefully that's what happens anyway hopefully you guys enjoyed this video and I'll talk to you guys next time